just want to be with you. King of glory, King of glory, fill this place. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. in this place and his name is Jesus why don't we take a moment right now and lift our hands and acknowledge the king of glory is in this place oh hallelujah is he the king of your joy is he the king of your healing is he the king of your peace oh Jesus fill this place Lord you Jesus I'm so thankful amen when we gather together in the house of the Lord and we start worshiping the Lord amen God fills the place amen he shows up amen and amazing things happen when the Lord shows up amen amen healings can take place amen maybe we're troubled with some things in our minds but God can speak peace our king of peace can be there Amen. Maybe we're struggling with things are not so happy in my life right now, but the king of my joy. Amen. He filled this place. Amen. He restored my joy. 
Amen. I'm thankful for the King of glory that's in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. We're so excited to have with the op- have the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night. We only do this a couple times a month, but we're excited to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping the Lord together. Amen. It's just an incredible experience. There's nothing like being with the people of God and lifting up the name of Jesus. Amen. And all of that leads up to the best part of the service. Amen. And that's where we get to hear the word of the Lord preached. Amen. And I'm excited that tonight our minister is no stranger to our church, of course, Probably more often than you see him behind the pulpit, you see him leading us in worship. But I'm excited to bring to the pulpit tonight, Brother Austin Axtell, would you come minister in the word of the Lord? Glory to God, glory to God, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So thankful to be in the house of God tonight. Doesn't it feel good to be in his presence? Doesn't it feel good to be gathered together with the greatest people on the planet? and be experiencing the glory of God in our lives today. So thankful for an opportunity to speak to you guys. Thank you, give honor to Pastor and the pastoral team um, for giving me this opportunity also for their their leadership, their Christian example, and everything that they do uh, day in and day out. Um, I'm so inspired and uh, by them and by their lives. Um, I know I wanna be just like them when I grow up. <laughs> stuff situated here. Um, I give honor to my wife, my beautiful wife. Thankful for her today. She is my favorite person on the planet. I don't know if I could be doing what I'm doing without her support and her love and her consistency. Very thankful for my wife. And I'm thankful for you all today. I can't tell you how often I brag and I talk about how thankful I am to be a part of such a great church, such a great body of people who love God, who exemplify the the grace of God in your lives. You exemplify the mercy of God. You exemplify the character of God. I know I felt very loved and supported by you guys and just love hanging out with you guys, feel encouraged uh, to be around you guys. And so very thankful for a great church and to be a part of such a great church. My text today is Exodus chapter number six. I might sneak down to number chapter five a little bit, but primarily chapter six. Yeah, let's skip down to chapter five, verse 22. I'm sorry. So right before, just to give a little context, this is Moses's prayer after what seemed like a failure in his life. I can relate. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated these people? Why is it that you have sent me? What did these people deserve to get me as their preacher tonight? I feel that. What do these people deserve to get me, as Moses is saying, as their leader? For since I came to Pharaoh, to speak in thy name. He hath done evil to this people and neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. He's just pouring it out. Anybody ever done that? 
But I want you guys to listen to what God had to say in the midst of Moses' trial. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. And God spoke unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. That's an all uppercase. That's the covenant name of God. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known unto them. That's enough. If you'll bow your heads. God, I ask you today to anoint me, God, to preach the word that you've put on my heart to give to these people. God, I pray, God, that you would, that these, that word would go forth on good soil, God, that we would hear it, receive it, God, that tonight, that you would begin to minister in this place, God. Lord, we're going to call on your name, and we're going to believe you for miracles, God. We're going to believe you, God, to work in our hearts and in our lives, God. We put all the faith, all our faith in you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. To give a little context for this passage, I, I want to dive into this idea that, that God was speaking to Abraham. Because when I first read that, it kind of got me a little confused. I'm not going to lie. Because God, God told Moses, he says, by, by, I was not known by my name Jehovah to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said that by that name, I was not known unto them, but by the name God Almighty or El Shaddai. He was known by a different name. And, and, and I was thinking about it and I was like, I've read the Bible. I know that they knew the covenant name of God. I know that they, they, they spoke that name. They, they built altars in that name. They, they, they were involved with the, the covenant name of God. And so I was, I was wondering, what does God mean when he tells Moses, by they did not know the name that you're going to know. And it's the same name, but God, you have to understand that a name is different in the Hebrew context. You see, a name is not just, just something that you, uh, is a, it sounds nice and pretty, but a name has meaning and context. And, and so now Moses was about to encounter the name of God in a way that his forefathers never had. Moses was about to encounter the name. It wasn't that he, they didn't speak the name, but now Moses was going to know the delivering power of God. And God was going to do something in a greater context than he'd ever done before. And so, and so we see the, the significance that God is revealing himself. He's revealing his covenant name with his people. And as he's doing that, he's saying, look, I've got greater things in store. And it's all going to be wrapped up in that name. See, we as apostolics, we love the name of Jesus. You see, we sing of the beauty. Uh, we sing of the beauty of the name, right? What a beautiful name it is. We sing of the 
power of the name. We sing that there's healing in the name, right? Salvation in the name. There's deliverance from depression and alcohol in the name. We love the name of Jesus. Why? Because we've encountered the name of Jesus. We've experienced it. You see, it's not like the name Austin. I haven't experienced the name Austin, but I've experienced what calling on the name of Jesus can do in a moment of need. He's met my need right where I was at. We love the name. A good illustration of this is when, I, when there was a church conference with thousands of apostolic people that a man not associated with our movement came up to address our people for a short while. And, and I'm sure he had an incredible speech prepared to say, such a, to say to such a great crowd of believers. But the man made the mistake of opening up his speech by saying this. I think you people love the name of Jesus more than anyone I know. I'm not sure what he expected, but the response to his statement could not have been what he had in mind because the, con- the whole congregation of people erupted in praise and worship to the extent that he couldn't even get them back after 10 to 15 minutes. And they finally settled back down. He settles back down and he, he's like, he's thinking, all right, I got to start back from the beginning of my speech. And so... For some reason, he goes ahead and says it again. You people love the name of God like nobody else I've ever seen. And you know what? That place erupted with praise and worship, and he could never get them back. That was it. Because they love the name of Jesus. But that's that kind of love, that, that, that's not just hype. That's not just hype about a name. There's an experience, an encounter that we've had with the name of Jesus. When we were buried in the name, and all our sins were washed away, there's an encounter. When I was in sickness, and I I needed the name of Jesus uh, to bring strength and healing to my body. There's an encounter with the name of Jesus uh, that the Christian, that the apostolic knows. uh, They've experienced it. Uh, It's greater uh, than anything else. See, we love the name of Jesus. I wish I could go around this room right now. And ask some of you, what does the name of Jesus mean to you? I wish I could go across this room today, Brother Carranza, and to talk about the name of Jesus has carried you through this year and the last year. I I wish I could go across this room and and speak to each of you and hear the testimonies of how the name of Jesus carried you through the dark night. How it gave you hope in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your trial. How you called on that name and you were delivered from alcohol and addiction how the name of Jesus changed your life forever because that's what the name does it's more than just a name it's an experience with a God who loves us let me slow down why do we love the name of Jesus Why do we love it? Well, in order to understand what I feel of the Lord to talk to you tonight, you may have to take off your 21st century lens and put on that of an ancient Hebrew person for just a little while. You see, names were significant during biblical times. We see many examples in the Bible where a name was given for a specific purpose. 
Leah named her children in a way that spoke to her sorrows and trouble and how God answered her prayers. Of course, we know Leah, was uh, her husband had two wives and she was not the favored one. And so God opened up her womb and gave her children and, and she named those children upon her circumstances. Reuben, the first child, the, means the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Simeon, the Lord has heard that I am unloved. And Levi, I hope my husband will attach to me now. The names of these children were marked by their circumstance, were marked by who they, their life and, and names. And in the Bible, they oftentimes, that's how they named their children. It was, it was oftentimes in scripture, we see that, that those names were prophetic or contained a description of the individual's life or character. We see examples of this. Abraham literally means a father of nations. What would he become, right? A father of nations. Jacob means deceiver or surplanter. And I don't know what his parents were thinking <laughs> as a child and looking at this, this little infant. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to call him deceiver. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine if our parents today named us after our possible worst attributes. <laughs> Imagine if they started naming the introvert hates people. Hey, my son, his name is such and such. Oh, what's that mean? Um, bum, destined to live in his parents' basement until he's 40. <laughs> or if my parents were naming me weirdo, obsesses over coffee too much. <laughs> That's the truth. But you see, names had a significant and especially the name of God carried some specific characteristics with it. The name of God was a crucial part of the Hebrew and biblical understanding. That's why some men sought to dilute the meaning of the name, the Yahweh, in the Old Testament. And in the Septuagint, a Greek translation of the Old Testament, they translated the name of God to mean one who exists. The one who exists or the existing one, even the eternal one. And, and yes, God is ex all exist. He's self-existent. And that is true. And while that is a good uh, uh, maybe view of God, he is self-existing. But they were trying. The, the point was that that's not what the Hebrew would have understood the name to be. And they were trying to be culturally palatable to the Greeks because any Greek notion of God was that of a distant God who would never interact with man. But the Hebrew understanding of a God was a God who loved them and who cared for them, a God who was present in their lives. And so they weakened the meaning of the covenant name of God to mean that he is one who just is self-existing. Let me stop right here and say we don't need to be culturally relevant. People aren't looking for a relevant church. They're looking for a church who will speak truth. The truth, the only truth that will set them free. They're looking for a people who have access to the knowledge and the revelation of the name of Jesus. And what it means to be in covenant relationship with Come on, the world isn't looking for a cute sermon. The world ain't looking for your cute ideas, your cute psychology. The world is looking for something that can set them free from the real bondage that shame and, and sin does to a life. They're looking for, for deliverance from something that they can't get out of themselves. Addictions that they can't break on their own. I think of Matthew Perry who, 
who who died recently of an addiction and he tried he writes a book and it's one of the saddest books I've ever seen because it's an attempt of a man doing his very best to, to break an addiction that only God could break in his life that only the name of Jesus could cover the blood of Christ could cover but we have a name that there's no addiction too strong there's no sin that he can't cover there's no pain that he can't heal there's no sickness that he can't deliver come on we serve a God who when we call on the name of Jesus we have access to so much Y'all, I get too excited when I talk about the name of Jesus. There goes that love of Jesus, the name of Jesus. With the covenant name of God in the Old Testament. It's not a distant God, but it's a God who is present, personal, and who is actively working on your behalf. You see, in biblical Hebrew, let me prove it to you guys. I want to build a foundation here. It's exciting, but I got to build. I got to slow down. The being... The verb, hayah, conveys not just the existence. That's a little Greek in there. I'm sorry, y'all. Just bear with me. It's just Greek. But manifested. That verb conveys not just existence, but manifested existence. It indicates the appearance, the presence, or the standing of a thing. To state in Genesis 1-3, for instance, using that same verb that says there was light. And the Hebrew was to announce the manifestation, not just the existence, but the, the active manifestation of that light. And to the, the Lord, like later on, we see the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest. That's that same verb. It says it, that means that the Lord literally caused the storm to happen there's an active ingredient in that it's not a passive god it's not a god who's just self-existent it's a god who acts on our behalf the hebrew verb hayah as stated in, in when we god says i am that i am sigmund i can't even pronounce his name explains is not the abstract greek to be right the mere existence per se to the hebrew to be does not mean to just exist in the Hebrew mind right in the biblical the way that God revealed his word right it doesn't mean to just exist but to be active to express oneself in active being in the name Yahweh God made himself known as a present being a present with with and for his people and wherever God's presence, his name is invoked, his presence is invoked. That announcement is predicated with the certainty of his attention, his care, his power, and his grace. You see, God reveals himself by his name with intention. He was saying you're not serving a God like the gods of this world. When you get into relationship with me, you have access to a God who will bless you and keep you and walk with you and go before you and be behind you and beside you. And everything that you need is in him. He's a God who acts. He's a God who loves you. He's a personal God who wants to be in a relationship with you. And so the name of God, 
One of the most important concepts that you'll see in the Bible is that of the covenant name of God and having a covenant relationship with God. It's one of the most important things if you're reading the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you see that God, that to get into covenant relationship with him, you'll have to have the name of God called over you. That's the same thing in the New Testament when we have the name of God called over us in baptism. We are entering into a covenant relationship with God. We're entering into a relationship with a God who's, who's much greater than us, who can fight our battles for us. It's not an equal partnership necessarily, but it's a God who's greater. He's not tainted by sin and corruption. And so when you, you were baptized, you entered into a covenant relationship with someone greater than you. You now have benefits. You now have the benefits of God on your side. A God who loves you and cares for you. See, when you've been called by that name, you can rest assured that he's going to take care of you. You see, that's what that covenant is. God is faithful to his side of the covenant always. And so uh, I love you guys, and, and to the extent that I'm able to, I will help you if you're in need. I will. And, and anything I can do in my power, I love you guys. I will help you. But there is, there's a lady on that front row over there who's called by my name. She now has my last name. That I would do anything to provide and protect her. I would take a bullet for her. I would... I would do anything to keep her and protect her because I made a covenant with her that said that no matter what the cost, I was going to love her and protect her and keep her. And that's the same kind of God. You know, we, we do that in our relationships, but we serve a God who's perfect. And guess what? In his covenant, in his word, there's promises. And he says, if you'll do your part, if you'll submit to me and obey me and heed my word, heed my commandments, you're going to have access to what I can offer. You're going to have access to some blessings. You're going to have access to the peace of God, the blessings of God, the joy of God. You have access to something. You have access to a God who can keep you and protect you every step of the way. Why? Because he's made a covenant. He's made a promise. And he will not, cannot lie. But you see, on a covenant, there's two sides. Of course, we know that we're not, we're not in the same type of covenant of equal marriage necessarily with God. But in the Old Testament, there, well, in the biblical times, there was a, a covenant called the high treaty, a king, high, king of high treaties. And, and what this covenant meant was it was an autonomous king and his kingdom. And he... he he was in a battle maybe that he couldn't face on his own. And so this king would then go to the high king, the one who was capable of fighting his battles for him. And he would swear. He said, I know I'm, I've got free will. I'm, I'm sovereign, but, but I'm going to use my free will to serve you. And that's exactly the relationship that we have with God. We're autonomous. We've got free will. But now we've got to choose to put that free will in a God who will take care of us, who will love us, and who we could not fight 
Guys, we could not fight the battle on our own. We couldn't fight and conquer sin, death, hell, and the grave. Oh, we're, we're incapable. We're, we're depraved. We're incapable of doing that on our own. But there's a God, a, a, a high king that we can, we can swear fealty to. And we can say, God, you fight my battles. God, you take all of this mess that is my life, God. And I'll let you do with it what you will and trust you with the process. See, that's the relationship that we have with God. And that's what we have access to under that name. See, God is faithful. His word is faithful. And that's why Satan is not scared of certain things. Like he's not scared of your worship, quite frankly. He's not scared if you dance and shout on a Sunday night because all the other saints are sounding and dancing. He's not scared of your talent and your ability. You may be a great preacher, a great orator, a great singer, a great musician. He's not scared of that. He's not scared of all those things. The devil doesn't tremble when you start doing any of that. The devil is scared of your obedience. The devil is scared when you stop doing it on your own and you say, I'm not the high king. I don't know how to do this. I trust you, God. The devil is scared when you begin to submit to God, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of what your friends say, regardless of what anybody else says. I'm going to put my faith in the word of God and in his truth. And regardless of anything else, my fealty is to God and his will for my life. See, Satan is scared of your obedience because he knows that if you obey God, if you'll be obedient to him, you won't have a problem witnessing to that friend. Oh, come on, somebody. You won't have a problem speaking out and sharing your testimony with somebody. Why? Because you know if God's given me something and he's commissioned me, then I've got to go be a witness because it's under his name, that covenant that I made. It comes with something else. It comes with a desire and a will for me to submit my will to God see the devil's not scared of anything about your obedience uh, you see he knows that if you stay submitted to God's will you won't have trouble reading your Bible and praying every day because if you if you see that the name of God carries his will it's not just a, a name we call on for things that we want. It's not just a name that we call on and we get our way. When you call on the name of God, that the Bible is a testament, a will and testament. You're calling on the will of God for your life. And so when you call on the name of Jesus, you'll know that reading my Bible, praying, it's just what I need. Because I'm a sinner. I, re, I, I acknowledge what the Bible says about me. I need him every day. I need his word. I need his word. I need to spend some time submitting to my will to him in prayer. See, Satan knows if you, be, if you get the understanding of being obedient. That you and you have access to this name. That you won't let pride or insecurities stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Why? Because you have the God of covenant on your side. And if he is for you, then nothing is impossible. I'm thinking about the story of Moses here at the text. Moses is, he's at a point. He's looking at his own failures and flaws. And I, I can relate to this. I'm probably a very self-critical person at times. And he just worried about 
all of this. He's looking at his failures. He's looking at his insecurities, his inabilities. And Moses gets to the point where he's so hopeless. And you can see it just bleeding out of the text. You can see the hopelessness. God, you haven't even shown up in my situation. God, I'm doing my best here. I'm just trying to live for you. I'm just trying to do what you told me to do. I'm, I'm just being sincere. God, I'm, I'm working. I'm living for you. I'm trying the best. I know how. And some of you, you've been working. You've been working at your relationship with God. You've been trying to keep it, keep it straight and, and stay on the straight. And you've been working just to love God and do what he's called you to do. And you get in times of discouragement and distress. But can I tell you today that the response to God in Moses is the same response that he'll give you. Come on, if you'll keep on going, you're about to experience an encounter, a name that can set you. You're about to have a deeper revelation of the name of Jesus and what he can take you out of. Oh, come on now. You've been going. Oh, come on. Young people, you've been facing some of the hardest things. You've been facing things that generations before you never faced. You've been facing some things that no one before you has faced. And yet I see a God who says, I see your trouble. But guess what? Your deliverance is going to be greater than anybody has ever seen. Come on. I've never parted waters before, but because you're going through something, I'm going to part waters. I've never, I've never had to feed people, a thousand millions of people, but I will feed you daily with manna of the word of God. I've worked my miracles because your greatest trial is not as great as the greatest deliverer. And all of that is wrapped up in the revelation of the name of Jesus. Because they know I have access to this because of the name of Jesus. I have access to the deliverance of God because of the name of Jesus. I have access to a great salvation because I was buried in the name of Jesus. It's all in the name of Jesus. Come on, the access point to the God of covenant is his name. And you have access to that tonight. Whatever your trial, whatever your storm, whatever your trouble, whatever you're going through you have access to the God of covenant through his name we have access to so much psalmist we read and Numbers, God is establishing his covenant with his people. I'm coming to a close if musicians would come. God is speaking with his covenant people. And he's establishing that first covenant. How many of you know the Old, the Old Testament is, Testament is another word for covenant. The Old Covenant the New Testament, that new covenant, that thing we have access to in baptism in Jesus' name and filling of the Holy Ghost, that thing we have access to, that was the new thing, but it was built on the same exact principles. And those, that Old Testament was pointing to what God was going to do ultimately and giving us what we have access to today. The Lord spake to Moses in this time. He speaks unto Aaron and his sons and saying, On this wise... Shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, 
The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This is my covenant with you, Israel. As my, 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 the, the priest is coming up, he's going to bless you. If you'll stay in covenant relationship with me, if you'll stay faithful to me, if you'll stay submitted to me and obedient to me, you're going to have access to the peace, to blessings, to my face shining upon you. The Lord lifting your countenance and, and giving you peace. That's a promise. The covenant, the God of covenant says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you peace in your relationships. I'm going to give you joy in your heart that you can experience in my presence every day. I'm going to give you some things. You have access to so much. But he says this. And if you don't understand the Old Testament, if you don't understand the paradigm here of calling on the name of the Lord, you might miss it. This is what we have access to, and here's how we know. And he said this, And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. If you look it up, that's the same verbiage for being baptized, buried in his name, calling the name over them. If you, if you, you have access, saint of God, you may not think it, Maybe you've let the enemy discourage you and tell you ain't got access to nothing. Maybe you let the enemy lie to you and say you're, you're just dumb. You can't do anything. But you have access to something because you've had the name of God called over you. You have blessing and peace. You have things that God wants to do in your life. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're poor and that you're weak. You have access to the name tonight. Mom and dad, keep on. Keep on calling the name of over your children. A preacher, you keep on preaching in the name. Minister, you keep on praying in the name. And you better believe we're going to keep baptizing in the name. Because it's the doorway. It's the access point for a God of covenant who cares for us. If you'll stand, keep standing across this place. You have access to so much tonight. The God of covenant is here. Maybe you've been living on less than what God has for you. Maybe you've been living, even though you have access to so much in his name, maybe you've been living poor in the spirit. Uh, my altar call is simple. Uh, two parts. I've got, I feel there's somebody out there, or a couple people out there, who you've just been kind of going coasting. And you haven't really been committing yourself the way you know you should. You, you've, I've been through, I'm there, I've been there plenty of times. But you've been, you've been despondent instead of determined. And, I, and maybe you really, you've been gotten to the place where you've let the enemy get you discouraged. I want to challenge you. You have access to so much this evening. At an altar right here, you can leave this place uh, with those chains, those burdens, those weights, those sins uh, lifted off of your shoulders. You can leave here with liberty and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Come on, if somebody in just a moment will come here and say, God, I see what you have access for me. And I believe it see to access things things you must have faith and you must believe that he is right a rewarder of them that still diligently seek him
But I also, secondly, want everyone here that has a need. I don't know what your needs are, but I know there's needs represented in this place. Because I know I've come here many times without a need. I don't know if anybody knew about it. But I know there's needs in this place. Whether it be healing, whether it be peace or direction, whether it be financial, whether you want to see a lost loved one saved, and you want them to come back home, I want you to come to the front. And I ask that our ministers, if everybody would come forward, I ask that our ministers would pray with you and call the name of Jesus. Call the name of Jesus over them because that is the access point for their deliverance. And I believe in the spirit right now that somebody's weights are going to be lifted and somebody's body is going to be healed. Why? Because we have access to so much in the name of Jesus, that covenant-keeping name of the God who loves us. These altars are open. Your miracle is waiting. The God of covenant is here to meet your need. And if you don't fit one of these categories, I want you to bind together with somebody and believe God for a miracle in their life. Yeah. 